0: So are we ready? I haven't really gone through my notes. It's all right. I know there's going to be a <laughs> We're lot supposed
1: to be podcasting right now.
0: I, I know there's going to be like a ton of just like spelling errors because I was just doing the uh, dictating
2: and, and I'm going to be like, oh, what the, what does that mean? The good thing is it's a podcast so no one will see your spelling errors. <laughs>
1: Welcome to The Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marcus, and Colin. We're all here today, and we're actually here. This is a, a bit of a programming note. We were supposed to be doing Colin's pick today, which is true romance. Colin's pick for 1993 specifically, but Colin made the pick and then did not want to watch the movie. Colin, <laughs> why didn't you want to watch the movie? I wasn't feeling inspired. That,
0: so So we ended up <laughs> taking Marcus's movie, and now I think we're all feeling a little uninspired.
1: Well, let's, let's see how this conversation goes. Uh, so, speaking of that, the film we are here to discuss today it dares to ask and answer the question, which is, does anybody want to watch an attractive thirty nine year old woman have sex with a sixty three year old man? And that movie is nineteen ninety three's Wolfgang Peterson directed in the Line of Fire. Three shots have been fired at President John Kennedys from it was from his job to safeguard him. the destiny we a of a nation Today, America the loss of President but at the John critical Fitzgerald. moment he was a split second too late. now after a lifetime of second thoughts and second guesses, Secret Service agent Frank Horrigan is about to get a second chance. Yeah. Frank Oregon? Yeah.
0: I've read about you, seen photos. You were JFK's favorite. Dallas. What happened to you that day? And this time, he'll be ready. I see you, Frank. I see you standing over the grave of another dead president. not gonna happen. Clint Eastwood
2: (laughs) in the line of fire. That's such
0: a weird intro. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, maybe did I not see the director's cut? Because I did not see any sex between a 39-year-old and a 63-year-old. No.
1: I'm saying it, it asked and answered the question because... It got I mean, right up to the edge and then and then everybody's like, No, 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 we can't do this, man. We can't let this happen. <laughs> so they decided not to go forward with it.
2: I can't believe they left that in the edit. I mean, they one, they could have trimmed out plenty of filler in the movie. It was a little bit longer than it needed to be. And that would have been a imperfect cutting room floor uh whole segment of the movie.
1: Did you not think that we needed three sequences with Clinton's foot at the piano? Was that was that one sequence too many? It was it was,
0: it was gratuitous.
2: Actually, I don't mind him at the piano. The romance part could have done, like just the storyline was unbelievable. Their their chemistry just did not work at all. And it just practically, it almost ruined the movie. It's still a pretty good movie, but removing that part would definitely uh, improve everything. I disagree. Really? I like yeah. their interaction at the end. I mean, we're diving into a lot, but their interaction at the end, I thought was really good. Um where he goes into the the suite and she's kind of consoling him because he's been like pulled off the job. I thought that was actually a good interaction. The romance part of it just was goofy. I, yeah.
0: I thought that. Well, I, I don't know. I I thought the flirting just like shouldn't have been there. And yet, I thought he was actually doing a pretty good job. And she yeah, was like, charming, and There's he was, other... and she was lapping it up. And and so there, I think that there was good chemistry there. I'm also thinking that there's a lot of workplace sexual harassment <laughs> issues that we need to be addressed yeah. or you know this I, was this was almost 30 years ago after all. Yeah.
1: And by the way this was apparently the first film that the secret service actively collaborated on uh, a Hollywood production with. I'm not sure that they read the script before they did that but I don't know. I thought they did a pretty
2: good job with that. The detail parts, I thought, was pretty good.
1: I mean, all of the sequences and all that, they they look really good. I just mean that some, there are some bonehead errors that the Secret Service makes in this movie from an investigation standpoint.
2: The prank cardiac arrest? Uh, yeah. yeah. Pull some, pull some paramedics
1: <laughs> off the street as to, just so you can do a joke. All right. Well, wait. Before we jump into this thing all the way, let me just do the <laughs> usual general setup. Okay. Um, So by way of introduction, this movie was definitely a success. So it made $102 million and it came in as number seven for the 1993 box office. Right behind Indecent Proposal and ahead of Aladdin. And this time, Colin, I did check. And yes, Aladdin was split over two years. I know you have lots of concern over what happens with Disney box office when we talk about this. So just wanted to get ahead of that one for you.
2: Gotta protect Disney. The movie was nominated for three Oscars. uh, John Malkovich in Best Actor, uh, Supporting Actor, Best Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. It did not win any
1: uh film maintains a 7.2 rating on imdb so it's relatively well regarded by the general population ebert gave it three and a half stars i did not pull any quotes out of his review i think looking back yeah i don't know if those numbers would actually hold up going back and looking at it today one thing i would say about this movie is it feels very 90s very 90s time capsule movie because it kind of feels like this movie is right on that edge where you know the transition from the '80s to the '90s. I think where it, you can even look at this in the movie posters, right? How you used to have all the obviously hand-drawn cool movie posters, and then all of a sudden you get to the early '90s, and it becomes a lot of photoshopped faces. And then when it goes that route, it al- it also feels like they end up making a bunch of movies in the '90s where. It's more about the actors as opposed to the story. Like I think about like blown away, like where it's, you know, Jeff Bridges versus Tommy Lee Jones or Disclosure, Michael Douglas, Demi Moore. I don't know. It's just you know Eastwood and Malkovich obviously are the, the big stars here. But it's just it's a weird kind of 90s time capsule for me watching this movie.
2: It's interesting. I thought it could almost be a 70s movie, too.
1: Like it definitely has a feel to like um, a
2: Dirty Harry. I know we talked about Clint Eastwood before, but as that older, I mean, obviously, he's not Dirty Harry because he's not a police officer, but it has that kind of older movie vibe. And then plus you get all of the, the technology is pretty rudimentary. So it still has like no cell phones. It has no like tracking or the basics of any computers and all that stuff is very, very basic. And so even that part dates itself for sure.
0: I, I was going to say some of the stuff in there uh, around technology, like, hey, look, we, we can track Booth by just looking at this gray screen with a white dot on it. Yeah, I mean it's just ludicrous, really. Like you look at today, there's just really no comparison. So it it feels very dated, um, and yeah, it does. It does look and feel very '90s, which is not a bad thing. But I mean, it's definitely of an era. Yeah, and and by the way, Marcus, I do have actually in my notes one of my first notes was, "Oh, look, it's Dirty Harry as a Secret Service agent."
2: Yeah, it's very much that.
1: Well, it's it's certainly that in the very beginning of the movie. The very beginning. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that he—he's not like that.
0: The whole because he's very charming, actually.
1: It's an interesting portrayal of a character because he's not the the typical really dark, haunted individual. He has a little bit of a—he has some genuine charm, and he's uh, has some positive energy in many of his interactions, like the one with his partner and also with Lily, the other Secret Service agent. It's just you know they could have done the they could have done the you know he's a hard drinking, total burnout, scraping the bottom of the barrel kind of you know, living his life, but. He wasn't that at all. I mean, he seemed pretty, he seemed pretty okay.
0: Yeah, actually, one of the the things I really liked about the character itself, you know, he's like a 35 or 40 year veteran of the Secret Service. So he's been around the block, right? And he's not, you know, up at like a director level. He's still like a working, you know, field agent. Yeah. But because he's been there forever and he knows everyone, including all the people in the upper echelons, he can pretty much bust anybody's balls, especially Gary Cole yeah. and and the director himself, you know, if he wants to, he's really got sort of got carte blanche because he's been there forever. And he's right. sort of like a legend,
1: right? He's a legend. And he was on Kennedy's detail, right? That comes out over the course of the movie as a, an important fact. Um, it does kind of wrap to that scene where he, he has the explanation about that. That's a great, I think, moment of acting. It's probably Eastwood's best moment of acting is where, He's talking about his perspective on what happened in that day in uh, with the Kennedy assassination. It's a nice moment. I, I thought I thought it's and the way that that scene is lit and all that. I actually, like it quite a bit. The by the way, so maybe we can switch the casting on this. The we already kind of covered Eastwood, but um, there were all kinds of different casting scenarios for this movie over the course of it. Like Robert Redford, I guess, was originally attached attached to play the Eastwood role. Then it was at one point offered to Sean Connery, who is uh, I think a couple years uh, might be a couple years older than Eastwood.
0: <laughs> Would have been a little. Weird, having a Scottish secret service agent. A (laughs) Scottish guy
1: as a secret (laughs) service agent, yeah. And then for John Malkovich's position, so Robert De Niro was actually offered uh, the role and Jack Nicholson was also considered. So apparently the screenplay was around for 10 years, bouncing around Hollywood, uh, and a lot of different actors were attached at different times. Robert De Niro would have been an interesting choice. as a He he could have done the psycho part. I think Malkovich is actually really good in this movie, though. Yeah, I
2: think Malkovich is the best. he's, He's the best part yeah you know. De Niro would have been another taxi driver, which he, I mean obviously he's a fantastic actor, but I think Malkovich has a little more kind of menace and kind of kind of he's perfect for the role, I think
1: yeah one of the trivia notes on this movie says that uh malkovich was was lobbying Wolfgang Peterson to allow him to kill the dog in the in his home invasion sequence where he kills the two women and then he also wanted to kill the dog and Wolfgang Peterson's like, nah, maybe that's taken it too far <laughs> so uh, on I' screen want to or- applaud I just want to applaud John Malkovich on his method acting there. <laughs> <laughs> on screen or real life? <laughs> I'm assuming on screen, but yeah.
0: you never know. Now, there's first of all, Malkovich has a great voice, and I, I love the the phone conversations that he has with Frank Horgan, Right, so he's got this great voice, and he but he's also a little weird looking. He's a little creepy. Right, there's a couple shot. There's a couple close ups of him talking into the into the phone receiver, and it's just close up on his mouth, and you're just like. Yeah, he's, he's a little creepy guy. He really owns it. So I think he's perfect for this. De Niro would have been, I don't know, he probably would have taken it maybe like the the um, the way of, uh, what's the movie, um, Cape Fear? You know, yeah. what was it, Max? Yeah, it
1: Max-, Max Katie.
0: Ma- Max Katie, yeah. yeah. He could have gone that route or he could have played it like very sort of cold and professional. But Malkovich brings something to it that I don't think others would
2: have. Also, like all the different disguises and stuff, I think work a lot better for Malkovich. Like he, he, he can adapt to uh, different looks a lot better, I think, than... Uh, than he's, got the,
1: he's got the crazy man on the corner, like the body movements down pretty good. I thought oh, he was totally. Pulling, yeah. Uh, pulling <laughs> off that one. yeah. You know? it's, it's definitely not... You don't want to go near that guy when you see him standing on the corner. So Malkovich really captured the energy. So you have Rene Russo in there. So she plays Lily Rains. Apparently both uh, Glenn Close and Sharon Stone were offered the role before uh, Renee Russo. I think Renee Russo is really good in this movie. Oh, yeah. She's, she's great. Yeah, uh, she's a great choice. I mean, I actually think she's a better choice than uh, those two other actresses.
0: Well, I think Sharon Stone would have been too young. Glenn Close, mm, I don't know, not sexy enough. I don't know. I think, is this like the first movie that you really sort of remember Renee Russo from?
2: No, Major League. Yeah, major league.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think. I don't know.
1: I mean, she she's not a, like okay, a league. huge right. role in major league, but that's definitely. She great. had a really good run in the nineties, yeah. in particular. I mean,
2: I mean, still well, working, was was major but, league her her sort of breakout role? It was pretty close, probably. But also, you can't forget Free Jack. I can forget Free Jack. (laughs) I have no trouble forgetting Free Jack.
1: Although I I do like Mick Jagger's performance in Free Jack, I have to be honest. Emilio Esmezco. For long. (laughs) No, she was
2: going to. This is one of her first, like, um, I would say major. No, it's basically
0: Major League in in 1989. And then Mr. Destiny, which I never saw. One Good Cop. I don't think I saw that one either. And then, yeah, Free Jack. Totally forgettable. Lethal Weapon 3 also kind of forgettable
1: yeah she ends up being martin riggs uh, girlfriend i yeah. think wife eventually
0: i really like her and get shorty personally but yeah i have fond memories of her in this film i have a lot of really good things to say today <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know yeah. what yeah. i yeah. i just want to state that i was a little disappointed watching this movie again yeah i because i really liked it after it came out and i've seen it many many times But this time around, I I don't know, I think it's just that it just appears, like, very dated to me.
2: It's also, I mean, it's quite slow, I thought. Especially the beginning. It just takes so long to get going, and there's so much, like, filler, it just feels like. I don't think it's a really great script.
1: You don't think it's a really good script? No.
2: The story's good. I'd, I'd give it that. The,
0: the storyline is good, but I, but there's just like some things that I'm 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 scratching my head over the the very end, you know, where the the actual assassination attempt takes place. That's a really good scene. I, I like that a lot. There's a lot of energy there. It's very exciting. You know, aside from that, yeah, I think you're right. It's a it's a bit slow. Yeah, and I don't remember it being that
2: way.
1: Uh, so Marcus, why did you pick this movie?
2: In honor of um Colin's upcoming birthday, which this movie will be uh, the podcast will be released around. I was going for an old guy movie. Uh... <laughs> Re- reaching the end, end of his line. <laughs> Christ, man, I'm not 63. Uh, I'm just kidding. I picked the movie because I remember it well. I hadn't seen it in quite a long time. And for movies in 93, it looked like one that, like, okay, this would be a good. We just did uh, Unforgiven. Love Clint Eastwood as an actor and just hadn't seen this movie in quite a while. Thought it would be a good rewatch. Knowing now, I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it's also like... It doesn't hold up.
1: I mean I would summarize this by saying it's a good movie, it's definitely not a great movie. I mean
2: Malkovich is fantastic, so he definitely deserves a uh, Oscar nod, but the the rest of it doesn't seem like it's that Oscar worthy. And it's also tough because it's um you're comparing it to more modern, more like kind of fast paced, something like Argo or something along those lines. It'd be kind of a fun one if they read it.
0: I feel like the the, the one thing I, I didn't like was that it just felt like they didn't do a ton of detective work on trying to find out who Booth was until like the very end. I don't know maybe it was because he turned out to be you know an ex CIA assassin and so he was really good at hiding his tracks.
1: I don't know. Well, do you, hey, do you guys want to close out the cast at all, or do you want to just? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Let's close out the cast. Okay. Ah, the fucking cast.
1: All right. Well, so so just I mean so maybe to <laughs> close out the cast. So there's a lot of people in this movie, though. Yeah. Well, just I mean just a couple more. So so Dylan McDermott. Uh, is in it. And um, I swear to God, I, you know, I, I know there's the joke, right? But I swear to God, I'm watching this movie and is watching it with me. And she's like, who's this? And my immediate response is, oh, that's Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> Dylan like,
0: McDermott, Dermot Mulroney. I know that's a joke, but, a, but
1: apparently it's a real thing too, because I actually did it when I was watching this movie. Um, his character in this movie is, is almost pointless, honestly. I mean, he's He's there um, He's there to, to die. He's there to die. That's it. That's his, his and, and it's it's pretty funny too because they set up this intense moment where they're partners in the beginning, then he just disappears for like forty minutes of the movie or something like that, and then he shows up when he needs to die. Like that's that's you know, that's the gist of sort of the, the Dylan McDermott role. He's so, Al Deadmeat DeAndre. Yeah, I was say, totally, you know, Right. Oh my gosh, you know what? It's it's so funny. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh this is the Hotshots Dead Meat moment because the, the was it the scene basically before they get to the scene where he dies. Yeah. He's in a car with Eastwood in the and the he's retiring. he's crying. He's like, I'm gonna retire, he's like yeah. I can't do this. Look, tomorrow morning I'd like you to I'm resigning tomorrow. Right? What? What for? Just because you were scared down in Phoenix? Hell I was scared too. You did your job. I have nightmares, Frank. About that boat with the plastic bag over my head, I I can't breathe. Phoenix just clinched it. The service has counseling for this. to the counselors, right? Now. I've been to the counselors. Yeah, you're dead. We'll See you yeah. shortly. One last
0: job. Come on. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna resign the next day. And he's like, of oh, my wife, and my my family. And he's got tear down his down his cheek. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's gonna die. Oh, you're fucking dead! He's totally dead. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh it's good stuff.
1: All right. Well, Gary Cole is in it as uh, so he's Bill Watts. By the way, um, yeah. when
0: he did die, no, uh, Frank, not really broken up by it.
1: No, not not, not broken up. By it. And I'll I'll give some props to uh, Dylan McDermott for his blood drool work when he dies. <laughs> that's that's a he, that's a pretty good uh, pretty good open mouth hang blood drool moment. So I'll give him some credit. Um, okay. So Gary Cole plays Bill Watts. He's the I guess what what is he? What's his role? Because he's not the director, so he's the leader of the of he's the head. president's individual detail. Is that what he would? What yeah, yeah. He's head of
2: the of the detail.
1: Yeah, just a traveler, which is the codename for the president's protection. detail.
0: He's head of the president's protection detail.
1: I have to say, I know this guy's been in a lot of stuff, but it's really hard. It's really hard to see him as the like the hard bitten leader <laughs> leader of the uh, Secret Service because I can only see him from Office Space, so that jumps to my head. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Or as the announcer in Dodgeball. Like, those are two movies that jump into my head when I think of Gary Cole. Unbelievable! Ladies and gentlemen, I have been to the Great Wall of China. I have seen the pyramids of Egypt. I've even witnessed a grown
0: man satisfy a camel. It was really interesting because there was a time when Gary Cole was doing serious roles. And I'm like, I wrote down, I'm like, oh, it's Gary Cole. It's in one of his early serious roles. Because at some point he like totally pivoted and then he became just such a great straight man in a lot of really great comedies, yeah. including Office Space and Veep and, and others. He's just, he's so wonderful. But yeah, he was doing like, he even, he even was on a TV series, Nightcaller, where he played in a serious role. So I don't know what happened, but he made that pivot and he and he did it very successfully.
1: So then you have Fred Thompson. So he shows up. He's the, uh, was it the chief of staff. Is that yeah, for, yeah. for the presidential chief of staff? Harry Sargent. Don't call me Harry. <laughs> Anybody who wants to uh get a a, a brief uh, history on Fred Dalton Thompson I'd recommend you check out the beginning of the Die Hard 2 podcast we did Colin does about a 5 minute summary of uh Fred Thompson's career it's actually very interesting, I find was, out many interesting or things.
0: just email me
1: I'm happy to talk Fred Dalton Thompson Fred Dalton Thompson can just he can do no wrong right it's just he's he's a fun actor to watch when he's on the screen so he has a good commanding presence He's a little bit more whiny in here than I'm used to seeing Fred Dalton Thompson here because he's we got the president's only five points behind. We got to close the gap, blah blah blah. So he's 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 authoritative, but he's a little bit more whiny than I'm used to seeing him.
0: Oh, he's a total prick. But yeah, you're right. Like, I'm used to wanting him to be the guy who takes charge, and and you're like, oh, okay, yes, yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. Right? Yeah, he's he's kind of a. Prick in this,
2: and a coward yep. die, dies behind the stage. No, that's right. Yeah, he
1: gets super pissed off because of that. I forgot.
0: He might as well have just like grabbed a kid and held it up as a shield. <laughs> <laughs> That'd been hilarious. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, dead zone call out. So Tobin Bell, he's in the beginning. He's one of the bad guys who's counterfeiting during a very brief sequence where uh, Eastwood's character is going undercover. And immediately he's recognizable. Uh, I mean, he's in the Saw series, obviously. I, I haven't so. seen many of those movies, I've only seen one of them but he has that creepy edge when you immediately see him so that's kind of funny i don't, I don't know why i think he's an albino assassin why is, why do i think that he played an albino assassin was he in the movie the firm was he some sort of albino assassin I don't, um, quite possibly. I don't know why i have a tobin bell albino assassin association but i do
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah. it's the firm he he was the nordic man
1: okay so, huh. yeah well maybe that's right yeah. Um, and then, and then two other people, or actually one other person, I'll point out. So, Steve Railsback is in this movie. That's who that was. Okay, I, I was yeah. like,
0: "Oh, fu- who plays the CIA guy?" And then I hadn't, I didn't look. Uh, yep. Steve Railsback.
1: Oh, Steve Railsback of Life Force fame, yes, is, uh, yes as a wow. brief appearance as a CIA agent. So
0: also uh, really well known for his work in that god awful Alien movie that I just can't think of right now. You know that really really bad one,
2: Nuki, Nuki.
0: Nuki. Nuki. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. How did Railsback get looped into that? Uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen.
1: How many times has that phrase been uttered across Hollywood? <laughs> how did Railsback get looped into that one? Uh, and the only other person that, that kind of I thought was funny is, is a little bit like the, our very long conversation on the Red October podcast about uh, Timothy Carhartt. Um, so Steve Heitner or Hittner. Shows up as one of the two techs that they're working on the disguises and the telephone stuff. Yeah, you recognize that guy? That guy shows up as. as oh a yeah, 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 totally he's sure. In, uh-huh. He's in tons of stuff, right? So he's he's one of those that guys who shows up. He's in. He's also in. He's in Seinfeld. Is Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah, Jerry wants to. It's called Jerry Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty funny. He just you know he's there. I'm like oh huh. recognize that guy. Didn't get the, quite it, quite the Timothy Carhart experience off of it, but I did recognize him.
0: And then of course there's Clyde Kusatsu who must be
1: from Star Trek, because
0: I don't know what else he would be from.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to add. So the actor who played the president was named Jim Curley, who, when you look at his uh, filmography, not a ton of work, not a very long career. Uh, so I just thought it was sort of interesting. And maybe it's because, you know, I don't, I don't know, you don't want to draw attention away from Malkovich and Eastwood. And so you have somebody who's just kind of this nondescript president. Versus having somebody that like was a really well known actor, I just thought that was an interesting choice. He wasn't the focus of it; it
2: was the protection detail, not on the president himself.
0: I think that's yeah, that's good because you don't want him to be some distraction. Does he even have any lines
2: other than speeches? No. Yeah. He doesn't even have a name. Kind of interesting oh. thing. So I did a little research on the code names, and so the the way code names are given out is the, the president is given a letter that's assigned by the Secret Service, and then they um, pick the codename itself, and then also all the family members of the of the president has the same first letter. So our most recent president was given the letter M, and he picked Mogul is his codename. His uh, wife was Muse, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, Obama was Renegade. Bush was Tumblr and Trailblazer, and Clinton probably had one of the best, was Eagle. Hmm. Fun stuff. CIA co- or uh, sorry, Secret Service code names.
0: What would your Secret Service code name be, Marcus?
2: You have to give me a letter. Uh, <laughs> J. P- J.
1: Um, jerk off. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> thank you for throwing it out there for yourself versus one of us having to say. <laughs> oh, great! Got the
2: jerk off again. This guy's an asshole. <laughs> We didn't really talk about Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. He's got the most interesting IMDb, to be honest. Like, I don't think we have to talk much about Peterson, but like, he does have a. Uh, his his directoral history includes Das Boot, Enemy Mine, Never Ending Story, and,
1: and then Line of Fire.
2: He's just like so consistent with the movies he chooses to do. <laughs> no, I, what I love,
1: honestly, I love that. I love the jump. And I, obviously, he has a pretty successful series of films in germany as well but he ended up doing he, he jumped from das boot to the never-ending story <laughs> i love that tonal shift man that's just great <laughs> oh man uh, and then he goes on to make enemy mind which um do you guys remember that movie yeah, yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that that was good and then he has a pretty good run so uh he makes enemy mind is sh-
2: star trek generation the uh the, the wall is uh
1: the wall is fallen or whatever that uh what's the oh darmok
0: darmok at tanagra yeah. yeah exactly yeah, Same, yeah it's basically the movie it's version sort of that. like that yeah and of course, Lou Lou Gossett Jr. gets to give birth to an alien baby.
1: Nice. But then, from '93 through what, what, I guess what is it? Uh, Let's just say 2000. 2000. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a, in the line of fire, outbreak, uh, Air Force One, The Perfect Storm, and Troy. Which is that's a pretty good run of movies. You know, I, I know I know Troy was probably not that well received, but I actually think it's a good movie. I mean, I don't not think it's, it's a bad it, movie.
0: It's a decent movie. It's just um, I don't know. It's got really good people, and it's a—it is definitely a spectacle. Yeah. There's something really missing from that movie. Mar- Marcus looks bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. We're, As we're, is the rest diving, of our audience. We're
2: diving really deep into a whole bunch of other movies, and not this That's one. All right. Is we're
1: that gonna... is that intentional? I don't know. We're trying to keep ourselves interested with this podcast. <laughs> oh boy. Okay well then okay one last point so the the score when you're watching this movie and it's so funny because uh, having just watched the untouchables there's when the scene when they're running after Malkovich on the rooftops in particular and also when they're running after Malkovich in the park I was, I was listening to that score beat I'm like this is the untouchables right this is, almost sounds like exactly like the untouchables like the you know the like the, you know, like the agent kind of <laughs> beat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that it was the same composer actually. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but it's it seems very intentional. Um, kind of funny too that this is the I think this is the fifth film that he uh, scored for um, Eastwood. And so when you get when you get out of the spaghetti westerns, he also did uh, two mules for Sister Sarah. I don't know if you guys knew that. Probably no, not. No, I did not know that. Okay.
0: Good good knowledge, Dave. All right.
1: So <laughs> now, are you ready to you ready to jump into the movie? Let's do it. Okay sure so the film does actually open it starts i uh, like this podcast <laughs> the film does open <laughs> now so there's an opening sequence where so eastwood's character frank horrigan and his partner are showing that they're secret service agents conducting an investigation into counterfeit bills um so they go and they they meet up with tobin bell there's a there's a good scene where uh wait what What are you laughing at over there
0: i don't know just like going like <laughs> Does anyone really care? I mean, but. <laughs> Well, no. I'll tell you, I'll
1: tell you what I I'll tell you what I think is interesting about this scene. So about the beginning. Please. Please. Go ahead. So so the, so they pull uh Dylan McDermott it, into the uh it, so they have him in a position where they have a, a gag over his mouth and they they make Eastwood uh or they they ask him to shoot him in the head. And Eastwood picks up the gun and clicks it and then it um and then it doesn't go off. And so, th- so they think, okay, well, Eastwood's okay. And then they put a bag over Dylan McDermott's head. And I'll just say, for whatever reason, that and neck-breaking are the two things, like the two types of murders in movies that really get to me. Like like the casual the putting the plastic bag over someone's head and tying it off and suffocating them. I don't know why. That just affects me. Hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, seen people, like, beaten to death, shot, chainsawed. But nope, that's the thing that gets to me. So I find that a little creepy. Hmm. Did you... Uh play with one too
0: many plastic bags as a child. And... Maybe
1: that's what it was. Maybe it was all the warnings on plastic bags I saw when I was a kid. Do not put this over your head. Maybe I'm just, <laughs> I've just been conditioned. So I guess the uh, safety protocols have worked. Um, the other thing that happens in this scene is so uh, so Eastwood does get a chance to pull out a 44 Magnum and shoot two guys. And the the sound design on those shots is very similar to uh, his Dirty Harry films. For sure. I did see in the trivia notes that it, that some have said that this was Eastwood's way of saying goodbye to the Dirty Harry character. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's correct or not. It doesn't the rest of the movie certainly doesn't feel like that? The and the opening scene does feel definitely different than the rest of the movie from a style standpoint. But I did like the
2: uh, the kind of quote from uh, what was his part, his partner. It's like
1: you knew you knew from
2: the weight of the gun, right? It was empty. You knew it was empty, right? It's like, well, there could have been one bullet in there. <laughs> no,
0: definitely. yeah. Let's face it he he was almost responsible for murdering his
1: partner.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
1: And did, didn't you think about that during that scene? Like had actually had the gun gone off, it's, he would have had to have staged the whole thing, right? He would have had to kill all three guys. And then, you know, he's <laughs> like, it's, probably it's like, yeah, they, they shot my partner and then I had to kill everybody. Yeah. So then, uh, then it cuts to the first sequence of Eastwood playing the piano in the bar. And he's, he's talking to agent Al, who's had a traumatic experience and he's kind of sad. And he says, he's going to go home and kiss his wife and kids. Um, so as we've mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, that means, you know, that he's definitely dead pretty soon but then eastwood goes to or frank horrigan goes to an apartment that uh, they've asked him to investigate and he goes into the apartment and there's a a psycho collage on the inside of the apartment wall that has all these pictures it has a picture of like time magazine with like the president with like a big you know like crosshairs through his head so here's my question on that one wait who what are you making the wacko collage for when you're the wacko is that is that daily inspiration? Is it are you? Is it a planning montage? Like what are you using that thing for? Yeah, it's definitely it's it?
2: a mood board. Oh, I just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, look! At least there wasn't like a string and and pins all over the board.
1: Yeah. Like when uh, when we were it, it was, it remodeling it our house, it was yarn. I, I definitely yeah. didn't have any yarn. That, that was it. Should have had some yarn, but. You know,
2: yeah. When we were remodeling a
1: house, we put up a
2: mood board and you know got colors and things we liked. So he's just setting it up. Hey, assassins need that stuff too. Okay. So
1: it's a presidential assassination mood board, is what you're saying. Well, he has to get motivated every day to, you know, he has That's to look at me.
2: Okay, this is what I'm doing today.
1: Besides, Pinterest didn't
2: exist then. Yeah. <laughs> Purely inspirational. That's the purpose of that thing, is what you're saying. Yeah.
0: No, I think he jerks off to it every day.
1: Yes, it's inspirational. Well, yeah. that, that, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I would assume if you're a secret service agent and you find this you kind of think that maybe mm, okay this this guy is worth checking out but then he leaves and he goes back to the office and he, or he's doing a report on it and then they go back he goes back with his partner a little bit later and the entire apartment is cleaned out with the exception of one picture that shows eastwood by the way and i think from his dirty hairy days they photoshopped him into running behind the kennedy limo so but so that picture is kind of cool but here's my question so he had a whole bunch of furniture in that room I mean, <laughs> that's my it. question too so uh so the secret like so there's this psycho like i'm gonna kill the president collage on the wall and then somehow he still brings a moving truck in and, and is he working by himself or does he have does he hire movers i mean how does he clean out the entire apartment in two days <laughs> how, how does there's, he do that in the landlady the nosy landlady not even realize it right you don't think that like frank Horrigan gave her and said hey if you see any activity in this apartment give me a call right and then she's sitting in her apartment and She's here, like up and down the stairs, like <laughs> moving yeah. shit. Was- also, why would he move the furniture out of there? Like, does he, is it really,
0: did he like pay for the furniture himself? And he's like, well, I, I have to take it to my, my next hideout. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. No sense whatsoever. Also, not living in that building. Uh, ever heard of privacy? I don't want my fucking landlady ratting me
1: out. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have a nosy landlady, sometimes you can bring somebody over to do her. Just like, Topper and Harley. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Where are you going? Uh, but what,
1: <laughs> but <what? laughs> Well, this is it. It's a nice place.
2: It's okay. The only problem is I have a nosy landlady. And by the way, I can go all night like Lambert Jack.
1: What about your landlady? You can do her
2: too.
0: <laughs> uh we should have done hot shots part dear. you uh
1: okay so then from here so so of course you know Malkovich has been observing Eastwood in his apartment and then here's the, here's one of the examples of where I think it's uh the secret service the agent behavior is an interesting one because so Malkovich calls Frank Corrigan's apartment he's like Frank Corrigan, he says yes and he asks him he's like the secret service agent he's like yes he just confirms it I don't know. I just, I just thought that was kind of funny. It's like, who wants to, how about a, who wants to know? I mean, I think yeah. there was just like a lot less spam back then.
0: Yeah. You know, so if somebody, it's not you know, a robo people, call. I, I like how people actually answer the phone.
2: Oh, first of all, one is what is the um, best at answering the phone every time he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hang on. I got the other line. Yeah, and
1: not not only is he good but he's also he does some great slamming the phone down pissed off work in this yeah. film like you know after after like hearing from malkovich like at the end of their first conversation or the second one he just like slams
0: it down do you, do you think his voice gets more gravelly as the movie goes along why he would he had the flu for like half of this movie
2: carryover from will money
1: yeah, as I was say in Unforgiven, they saw him doing like feverish Will Money and they're like, We gotta yeah. find a way to, to bring some
2: kind of that then. into
0: this. film. Maybe. I mean I mean I understand why they had it, you know, as a plot point. Then
2: he was like still had the flu. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he kept it going for a while. They wanted him sweaty too, something. Like, I don't know. I do like the kind of uh crazy guy on the phone tracing the call, like trying to keep him on the line. That whole uh, kind of gimmick is uh it's kind of fun. They do a good job with it in this one. <laughs> they do a really poor job. I mean, like, like they cannot trace oh, yeah, his yeah. calls. Well, that's a funny thing. They're like, he's got some sort of equipment or something. And they never show him using equipment, never building anything. I know, right? It's just like, I know. He moves just like, picks to up the phone. phone in his apartment and yeah. starts calling. <laughs> it's
0: like, really? <laughs> Bad tech
1: guy. He's, he's a CIA dude.
0: Nothing, actually nothing about the Booth character makes me think that he was actually a trained CIA assassin. That what I really think, he's just like a modeler. Yeah. and that's about it
2: yeah that's the only one they really show them like, is by the way
0: <laughs> so what what is up with with the the modeling and so, somebody said like it's
2: a weird subculture al yeah i'd like you to send some field agents out and check these things ask about some wackos yeah sure
0: really <laughs> modelers you know half those people are like under preteen boys yeah. like
1: Making making, uh, model airplanes. Is is that a weird subculture? There's like a support group for parent support groups. Like, is your son building models? (laughs) (laughs) He may be on his way to becoming part of a bizarre subculture. We have to
0: look out for him. He might be become an assassin someday.
1: You know, after he has the phone call with Booth, he does go back in the office. And this is where he initially meets Lily. So Rene Russo's character. And he walks in, and they have them make a joke about, oh, the secretary's prettier than ever, or something like that. And then he winks at her, and it's so he has this strange, very sort of almost like um, effervescence or kind of charm that's coming off of him a little bit. As you know, so he's part serious, part charming. It's it's just a it's kind of a weird way to see Eastwood. I don't know. It's yeah. it's, it's it's it kind of throws you a bit. It is it is a little strange because in half the time he's very
0: gruff, like um, like Dirty Harry, and then the other half of the time he's like. Uh, it's his character from The Bridges of Madison County. Yeah. <laughs> and I really don't get what's going on there.
2: But he's very charming. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he's very charming. I, yes. yeah.
2: I, like, he winks a lot in this movie. He does. he does. I did like the flirting part of it. Like, So I thought that was kind of an interesting, like, okay, it's the old guy kind of meeting the new female uh, agent. I thought that worked pretty well. I think just the romance, when they took it to like the next level, that's when it really fell apart for me. Like, it's just like... Okay, just keep dismissing him and just kind of like, oh, he's kind of funny, old guy.
1: The idea of being flirtatious, but with no true intention behind it. Yeah, like exactly, that. exactly. I thought that's yeah. what
2: they were going to go for. And I totally forgot the movie. So like when they did end up hooking up, you're like, oh, that just doesn't, this doesn't work at all. Like, like I think
1: when he goes to kiss her at the thing, you're like,
2: no, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> At the is piano. That, <laughs> well, the,
1: I realize. Like the funny thing is, as much as I love Clint Eastwood as an actor, I don't <laughs> know that I really want to see him kissing anybody. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's, not, that's not the that's not the Eastwood energy I'm looking for.
0: You don't want to see him kissing Tuco. <laughs> well,
1: that, would, that would be a weird uh, weird directional change <laughs> for that movie. But. <laughs> So he asked to get back on presidential protection duty and they show him running next to the limo, which is in kind of kind of a funny scene because he's definitely pretty gassed. Right. So he's struggling with it. So that's pretty funny. I, I will note again, he's 63 in this movie. The mandatory Secret Service retirement age is 52. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he's a, he's a 11 years past uh, what would even be allowable.
2: Yeah, I think this I think the script was intending him to
1: be a 50 year old man. So he's like nearing retirement so he actually turned down the script when it was first offered to him yeah. uh, or, or the movie because the character was, he thought he was too old. Yeah. But then
2: every other um, scene where he's chasing someone, Clint Eastwood's ahead of uh, of Dylan McDermott. So.
0: I know, like he's like f- much faster than the younger guys. Yeah. I'm like, how is that? Every time.
2: But, yeah. yeah. Come on, Dylan, do some cardio. <laughs> when they
0: showed that scene of him uh, and the other agents um, running alongside the president's limousine, the first thing out of my, my first thought was like, why are they doing that? Yeah, this doesn't really make a lot of sense because those things are like so armored. And then, he thankfully, he mentioned it. He actually mentions that later on in like a, a few scenes later. So I was I was hap- happy that they addressed
1: that. Yeah, that's just window
0: dressing, you mean? Yeah, I don't. D- they don't do that anymore, do they?
1: No. Well, I mean, not not when you see like the standard motorcade stuff for sure. Yeah, it's sort of a fun throwback seeing them jogging next to the limo. Actually, that's <laughs> uh...
2: even a motorcade seems kind of quaint. I don't know.
1: Then it cuts to um, Malkovich, his character, going to a bank. What, what it, what it's, and it's referenced it a, a couple of times over the course of the, of the movie. So he using the name James Carney, he is uh, sending checks to the president, so a, a campaign fund, and he's writing like $50,000 checks or $100,000 checks, whatever it is. And he goes to open an account at a bank, and why he's opening, why he's already been sending checks, but now he has to open another account at a local bank is not particularly explained in the movie. Uh, But he's there and he's talking to the person who's opening the account. And she says, oh, you know, where are you from? And he says, Minneapolis. And then uh, he mentions that or she she asked him what high school he went to and he can't identify the right high school. Why does he have to set up a new account if he's already already been writing checks? That's just one question I have.
2: He was doing them to different locations. I think he was trying to because one was to like the the, he had different funds. He was writing the checks. to. It was a great premise because he's writing checks to donate so he can get an invite to see the president.
1: Yeah, that that I thought was a really good plot point. For yeah, sure. I
2: thought it was really brilliant. But I think he's doing it under different names and different accounts to try and get a position in different states. So one was the one he got in was California, but I think where he was trying like Chicago and some other places. Oh, okay. And so he's huh. doing different names because I think one was to a different like one was a reelection fund, one was like a victory fund, and there's a couple of different ones. So, but they didn't do a good job explaining that for sure. Yeah, which is but, terrible, but the, which the, is The too base concept cause, is good. Yeah, because yeah. it's really good uh, device to get him close to the president be like oh i'll pretend to be a uh, a donor
1: and like but then let me ask you this the uh so the the person is uh, the woman who's setting the account for uh malkovich says that the high school that he says he went to doesn't exist could you guys name all the other high schools in your uh for your city
2: i think but it, minneapolis is probably a little bit smaller than san jose <laughs> and if so, i hate to say this i don't, I looked I don't, don't up. think so
1: huh. there, there there are seven there are seven high schools in minneapolis yeah
2: so you, i know them all like if it was like out like uh like our area, I know most of them. So, like, listed something. I'm like, uh, that doesn't sound familiar. This is where I don't
0: believe that he's a, a CIA assassin. So he he comes up with this name. He makes it up. She's like, I've never heard of it. Or it, actually, I think she says that doesn't exist. Yeah, like she's right. like she is the authority right on high schools in Minneapolis. Yeah. All he had to do was say like, oh, it was just a private high school. You know? Yeah. That's it.
1: No. Yeah. But no, he has to kill her. Again, the 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 need to cover his tracks it, to take it to this level is a question because he's aware that she knows that he may have not been correct when saying he's from Minneapolis. Is that going to be the thing that trips like an alarm in her head? <laughs> she has to like, this guy's not really from Minneapolis. Like, I, you know, I mean, he's going to kill you, the president. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's a little bit of a leap. But what's pretty yeah. funny is so so Malkovich does show up on her porch. And of course, the way he shows up, you don't see him. You don't see him walk up the stairs. It's just at one point they, they, the camera pans over and he's standing behind the screen door. And the way he looks at that moment, if there's anybody you're never going to let into your house, it's that guy. <laughs> like the way totally. he looks, right? I mean, or, he looks like a fucking psycho. Or and or so, take
2: the uh, German shepherd off the leash. Might be a good idea at that moment.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but of course, uh, she lets him in and uh, then he quickly proceeds to break both of their necks somewhat brutal fashion it's over pretty quickly and but he does not so, kill the dog
0: he so the roommate comes out and it's like a, oh shit now i gotta kill two people i can't wait for like more people to come <laughs> <coming> out. to <laughs> like if it was a comedy uh, He'd be like oh fuck man
1: obviously they need a hook they need something that that frank Horrigan can discover to kind of you know pull things together i just think that that the way that they threaded that together as a particular plot point was yeah. pretty thin you know, I don't, I don't know that it was terribly effective.
2: I think they could have done better with that whole storyline. Thought it was a really good premise to get him close to the president. They didn't yeah. do it well. It's like maybe
0: if he was meeting with the vice president of the bank and then the guy like really gave him a, a suspicious look like is, is he a money launderer or something? Right. And, and then he you, you just knew that he was going to go, f- you know, follow up on it.
1: But really the new accounts girl at the bank, it's a stretch. And she doesn't come across as somebody who, if she was to walk into someone's office and say, I think we have a problem here, you don't really get that energy off of her. No, she's from Minneapolis. She's good people. She's good people. Just doing nine to five, going home, hanging with her German Shepherd. Uh, Well, then from here, it does cut relatively quickly to the scene where uh, Eastwood does take a full-on run at uh renee russo you do see so he so he's he's playing the piano again in the bar some more piano uh she sits down next to him they go upstairs and they you know go tumbling towards the bed and there's all this stuff coming off in terms of guns and handcuffs and all that 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 little gag i thought was pretty funny i thought that that actually worked out okay but then they they get on the bed and then it uh, was that? i think the phone rings and it it interrupts everything and stops everything and, and they don't take it any further um, I just, I really do think that that was, that was the general uh, sentiment of the viewing population. The director, everybody was on the same page thinking that they should not let this go forward. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, the romance is the worst part of this movie yeah. and that's, and that's the worst, like it feels ultra forced compared to everything else that's going on.
2: It wasn't needed. That's an odd part.
1: It's just not believable. And yeah, yeah so like, like we talked about, if you just kept it, the friendly flirtation, yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, the rest of it is just, it doesn't work. Agreed but no that's
0: it all sets up how he can he can retire from the secret service and still be a part of it because then they're together god okay that's a stretch um the the i will say this about the sex no sex scene i think it was kind of funny when they're getting undressed and they're dropping their their clothes and their guns and their radios and their <laughs> and like their ammunition and all the stuff it's all falling to the floor I kept expecting to see it like even more so like like a big you know, like <laughs> you, like, you, like a machine gun and a tank and you, the you wanted stuff. the comedy. You, you wanted I, a I did, comedy. I wanted the comedy. <laughs> it was almost it was almost a comedy
1: version. Was, I mean it was it was yeah. light and funny. Well, you and you then, were waiting for the, the hot shots, uh, like the different things you to just a, hit, hit the steak, Bacon <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> some hash browns. Just
2: a packet pack yeah. of hash browns. You missed one part when he joined the uh, detail and gets assigned. His former agent that he was uh, partnering with was a uh, uh, agent's name was Matt wadler who owed him uh, twenty dollars from Super Bowl twenty one. I did research, so I can pass it up. And uh, uh agent Matt really loves the Broncos and the uh unfortunately the New York Giants won thirty nine to the Broncos twenty and the Giants were favored by nine and a half.
0: That was the uh, the Rose Bowl Super Bowl. It right? was
2: January twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven. Neil Diamond sung the national anthem, and the Beach Boys were the halftime show.
1: Neil oh. Diamond sang the national anthem for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude! I gotta go back and see that. <laughs> it
2: was the Phil Sims versus John Elway matchup.
1: I'm just I'm, I'm picturing like Neil Diamond in like one of those sequin shirts, like out there, like you know, just wide open, hairy chest in the national anthem. Sorry, just doesn't feel right. Ladies and gentlemen, to honor America, here to sing our national anthem, Neil Diamond. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. okay so uh from here it go it, there's a campaign rally uh where so frank corrigan is he has a, a really bad fever this is just another question i had so if you have a secret service agent who is on presidential detail sure but they have a raging fever that is bringing them to the point of potential hallucination do you really still have them front and center protecting the president at that point don't you don't you have like a, a guy that you rotate in
0: yeah we of think. course
1: yeah i think you have sick days yeah, so but doesn't really matter because uh, he hears a, a balloon pop and then he yells gun And then people scramble including the chief of staff who looks like a weasel And then he gets pissed so all that happens and then basically it's just a way it's a it's a mechanism to get Frank Horgan thrown off of the presidential detail, which is what happens
0: I, I got a question about this. So when the president comes out Is it really secret service policy to let 50 photographers just rush to the
2: front of the stage, right? Yeah, I know <laughs> Um, seems like seems like bad security. I have a couple of other uh, details at the end. Like he comes <laughs> driving up in the taxi cab, parks right in front, and goes rushing into the presidential dinner. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you notice yeah. actually, so when oh, he walks man. into
1: the Secret Service building in the beginning. He, he talks to like the desk. The desk guards there, and he's like, "Hey, Frank." And He just walks past the, the desk and just keeps walking. Like,
0: definitely pre nine eleven. There's no
1: ID checking. I mean, he's just like, it's just like, hey, it's, just like hey, it's Frank, man. Frank goes where he wants. Yep.
0: I think he said it to Rene Russo right before, before this event um, in Chicago. He says, "Be careful. This whole event's been advertised in advance. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a <laughs> campaign stop, I believe. <laughs> it's a rally. You want people there." Uh, Yeah, it just, this is why some of the writing, I was just like, huh? Yeah. There was also like another thing. Frank was talking to Lily at the piano. I think he he was, was he talking about how like Kennedy had like a fascination with death? Mm, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. (laughs) Well, he was saying, he was saying he had a a fascination with death and, you know, like he thought he would be assassinated. And he said his favorite poem was even this poem called, I have a rendezvous with death. And then he goes it's not a good poem <laughs> it's just like this is a very random line it's not i could good. be misremembering mis- who said it but i thought it was really funny so they're they're like going around all these different campaign rallies i have to say that the special effects that they use were very poor and it was like really obvious that they had superimposed the president over an actual campaign rally in fact they they did they actually used real footage from clinton. bush and clinton presidential rallies in in 1992 i guess they super they spent like 4 million dollars and i don't know it didn't work very well there's especially there's the one scene where the president is like giving a speech off the back of a, a train car and it's really obvious that yeah, it, exactly. that it, yeah. And it's just really bad
2: yeah, it was,
1: it's funny. I noticed that too. Like the very weird optical effects, like where particularly a couple of scenes where you had the, the the profile shot and then behind him, it just they looked very disconnected.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny because now they do the opposite. The the crowds fake, and then they right, exactly <laughs> yeah, it's all CGI crowd. Yeah, the president's real and then the crowds all faked.
1: There is a scene where so Mitch Leary, they you know they they find out who he is and he calls the Secret Service office. He calls he calls to mock them from right outside their office headquarters, like in Washington D.C., and then. <laughs> He's able to run and get away, which come on, that never happens as soon as they as soon as they see him and they know like what's going on in the situation. Like, forget it. That dude's that dude's gone. Right. But yeah. let's just move move past that. But when they realize who he is, there's this awesome sequence where they run through potential face changes and augmentation yeah, yeah. and disguises. And they give him, among other things, they give him like the super thick porn mustache. Like that's one look they give him. They give him like full Wolverine chops like so they they take that and he goes into the full Wolverine look. At one point he's got kind of this uh, like it was that guy Chris Angel that that street music uh, street uh, magician like kind of that emaciated sort of weird goth look and then and then they briefly turn him into one a member of the Beatles for a minute. I don't know if you guys saw that but he has like the you know the mop top going so I just all of that and those effects it looked pretty goofy. I thought it was funny.
0: It was it was I, I thought about that too. They actually did a good job with that because, you know, the sort of the face changing uh, yeah. looked, looked pretty good. But the the looks themselves were
1: pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's like, what do you go into like a, a series of uh, pre-identified caricatures? <laughs> like, let's, see, let's see what it looked like in case he was dressing up as doing Wolverine cosplay. We got to cover all of our bases. <laughs> I don't know. Just weird. And so they, when they, they also then go to raid his house. Yeah, just before they, the
0: way that they find the the, the guy's house, this is where the, the detective work is sort of head-scratching. So they, they get it through like a teacher, or no, sorry, an art teacher. So he they do a lot of modeling. And then he says, oh, yeah, because he had met this guy, right? He'd met Mitchell Leary, but didn't know his name. So he had a contact in Phoenix. That's how they find the guy, that, that they find Mitchell Leary. He's like, you should go talk to this guy. Because he knows everyone down there. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like Phoenix is a really big city. Like, I really, it's just,
1: they lucked out, right? It's just, this is where I'm like, the, the writing is bad. Well, so, so another, another question there. So the investigation, when they're, when they're conducting this investigation, the contact they go find is a guy who's in a wheelchair, right? And he, yeah. says, that, he says that Mitch bought me this wheelchair, it cost $1,000. And then he reaches into the back and he pulls out a gun and he says, and this is for if I ever see him again. So did Mitch put him in the wheelchair? Is that is that what happened, or did he just buy him the wheelchair? He
2: bought him the wheelchair, and then he like um, accused him of something or other. It didn't make much sense, but
1: we accused him of stealing one of his designs. Yeah, so was, apparently, the, that's yeah. and, and like the CIA. So this guy works for the CIA. Apparently, he's really into modeling because he's also developing his own, I guess, special prototypes. One of those was stolen, and he got pissed off. Uh, it doesn't really work all that well in terms of trying to give you the the breadcrumbs to get back to his house. Yeah, but I would agree. The the detective work is a little bit sketchy in this. They need to tighten it all up a bit. Yeah.
2: Which is kind of funny. I, I can see this movie being done really well. Like Zodiac is a close comparison to this kind of the crazy guy in that. Like it'd be interesting if they, and they're not going to redo this movie, but like if it was done to that like strength of uh, how Fincher did Zodiac, it'd be really quite cool.
0: I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like that's the movie I was thinking about.
2: Yeah. Cause um, you have the same kind of like crazy guy and like mocking the the police and this one secret service but the you know trying to pull one over on them and trying to like kind of establish that relationship with them like it's really good uh, mechanism for the movie but it doesn't it's just not done that well
1: so the other thing just in terms of the that sort of investigation too is the interagency cooperation because there's a so they get they get his handprint and they get his fingerprints and they use that I, i i'm pretty sure it's the FBI that's running the fingerprint check, yeah. And they disco- and the FBI yeah. discovers that it's a CIA agent with a special classification, so they can't tell the Secret Service that this guy is a. So I'm, I'm sitting there and thinking, my okay, well, who has what authority over you know which level of the government? Because I would think that if you find out that the FBI was not sharing information with the Secret Service that this guy's an assassin and he's actually going to be killing the president, don't you think someone's going to lose their job at some point when they're Dave, doing post-mortem? postmortem, Dave? Why do you think 9 eleven happened? Because <laughs> <laughs> interagency cooperation wasn't uh wasn't
0: yeah, exactly.
1: In, is there any scenario where the FBI doesn't immediately tell the Secret Service like, holy shit, this guy's for real. he's an assassin and we gotta watch out for him. You don't think that's gonna happen?
0: No, I mean they should have yeah, absolutely, but they didn't because they were not the the
2: intelligence agencies were not there were they had these rivalries. Did you not see yeah. Cobra? Don't you know anything about jurisdiction? <laughs> or is it Tingo <laughs> <it was tingling laughs> t- and Cash? Maybe it's Tingo and Cash. Tingo and Cash LAPD jurisdiction. That's right. CIA jurisdiction. I heard a rumor about this drug. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but yeah, it does seem
0: like just, just what? Really? I mean, it, like, not, first that, of all, that one's it, that one's it, pretty it's laughable. Like, it's not like it was police. they were a traffic stop (laughs) it was the presidential protection detail right yeah at that point you're like oh maybe they should know about this
1: right yeah dude it's a c12 can't tell them and also um, at one point they they mentioned that Malkovich's specialty in the cia was that he did wet work which i've heard that term used it's like in black ops wet work assassin blah 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 why wet i'm kind of curious
0: he was
2: a wet boy yeah he's a wet boy
1: i think blood Probably has an entirely different connotation on the internet today. but I think so. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not searching for it. <laughs> <laughs> <Neither> <laughs> <am>. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not. I'm not executing that search.
2: I would assume blood would be the wet part.
1: So this leads to Malkovich getting chased across the rooftops. I guess there's two main takeaways there. So, so one is that Eastwood is in amazing shape for a 63-year-old dude, like running, chasing people down, running past all the other agents, scaling the rooftop. Like a boss <laughs> so it's good for you eastwood but then of course his partner does get killed it's a very strange it's, it's actually kind of strange scene the way they set it up so eastwood tries to make the jump he's hanging malkovich offers him his hand and then uh, eastwood sticks the gun in uh, malkovich's mouth uh, basically at that point you know malkovich is taunting him and saying oh you're not willing to trade your life And I will highlight here that, no, he was not willing to trade his life. He chickens out, right? He doesn't, uh, because he could have stopped him. He would have killed himself in the process, but he could have stopped him. Yeah. Do we believe that Frank Horrigan really has it in him at this point as a Secret Service agent? I mean, no, he makes it up at the end, but he's 0 for 2 on those first two.
0: Yeah, but I mean, at that point, the president is not in actual physical danger.
1: That's true. It'll be a little harder to make that move, I guess.
2: I read that um, Malkovich improvised... Like Clint have had the gun in his face, and Malkovich improvised putting the gun in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Clint would actually, like during filming, started cracking up when he did it, and you can actually see Malkovich's <laughs> like start laughing when he <laughs> when he's doing it.
1: I read that same trivia note, and yeah. went back and watched it. And right after you see Malkovich put the gun in his mouth, he, he has laughing. one moment like where he has a big like smile that yeah. shows up for just like a half second, <laughs> and then he gets it back under control. So that was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Dylan McDermott's character shows up just in time to get killed. By the
0: way, um, in the previous scene where where he says he's gonna retire or he's going to resign you're like oh oh, he's gonna die he actually says at the end of that he's like uh you kill me frank (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh geez (laughs) how funny
1: that's a little on the nose (laughs) yeah you get to the final campaign dinner and this is where malkovich is going to make his move he shows up and the one thing that's pretty funny though when he when he shows up at this event his disguise is very reminiscent of like clark kent superman putting on glasses I, i don't know it's not that much of a leap to get to. I mean, what did he do? He messed up his hair a little bit on the top and he had a pair of glasses on and
0: I, I think you're it, missing the point. What is the point? Yeah. The point is he his disguise was exactly like some rich white guy yeah. and he just basically blended right into the crowd.
1: Oh no, that I get
2: obviously. Yes, yeah. that He's yeah. He's dressed up. He's wearing a suit. He's looking nice. He's like, you know, polished and so like he blends in. You no, know, like he won't stand out at all. Yeah, and no, I thought that was done. Like, I thought overall, like, the disguises and that stuff worked really well.
1: Well, it's all because the Secret Service was looking for some dude with Wolverine chops the whole time, right? And they're like, <laughs> I know. have you seen this yeah. guy? was kind of funny. They
2: had a bunch of other photos that they were scanning through, too, which was kind of interesting. It probably is legit on how they
1: do it. The other thing that's kind of weird about this scene is the is the timing and the sequencing. because So Horgan goes to the bank. He ends up having a conversation. He finds out this woman has been murdered. Um, and she's from Minneapolis. By the way, that was a, a bad slip, or he was just taunting Horrigan that because uh, Malkovich referenced that, you know, some people die just because they're from Minneapolis, and that's kind of what breaks through when Horgan goes out there. I was gonna say
2: that was, to the point earlier you're making about him being a bad CIA agent. Like if you're gonna pick a okay, undercover, like oh, I'm from Minneapolis, you'd you'd fill out the backstory, right? A little bit. Right.
0: Or maybe just say someplace that you actually have spent some time. Yeah,
2: so you know something or
0: or say like Oh, I'm just from a real small city in Indiana, you know. Right.
1: Because nobody knows any small cities in Indiana. You know, Colin, our uh, our small city Indiana listenership just took a hit because of you and your prejudice. (laughs) Sorry, Indiana.
2: Yeah, I want to analyze the overall the travel time going back and forth to Arizona to L.A. to San Diego, wherever it's going.
1: He he goes to a bank, right? Because he leaves during the day. He goes to the bank. By the time he comes back, the sun's going down. By the time he's in the elevator, uh, it's it's night. The bank was Los Angeles too, yeah. Because they Los mentioned
2: Los where his up uh, his uh, work was was in up there in San Jose. I love San Jose. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She's like, oh, I love San Jose. It's like, really? <laughs> like,
0: what, like, what? What were you doing in San Jose? We all grew we're, up in San, Jose, part, so yeah, San Jose. Yeah, what <laughs> part? <laughs> like,
2: she's like, oh, I love Raging Water. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, nothing in San Jose, but like, if you, it's not one. It's six hours away so it's not like that common like she's like
1: i'm from
0: minnesota and they got this thing there called the winchester mystery house it's so great
1: (laughs) actually not great kind of boring (laughs) Uh. oh shit there goes our winchester mystery house sponsorship (laughs) (laughs) Okay, <laughs> yeah, so at the end uh, you know, he gets the right he gets the information he discovers the name that Malkovich is using and then he dramatically runs and jumps in front of a bullet the last second and then what follows is the greatest removal of a president from a ho- hostile situation of all time in any movie ever seen <laughs> oh that <laughs> because, was awesome because in they push imagine. this guy they push this guy through like I don't know like half mile of the hotel in about 15 seconds and they're just beating people up along the way <laughs> like Marcus I think mentioned that the the chef takes a really good shove from might might be gary cole we're not sure but the greatest Uh, thing about that scene is the president himself because if the secret service job is to scare the living shit out of the president that was it mission accomplished (laughs) i also think he like they shut
0: when they finally shoved him into the limousine and took off he was definitely having a cardiac event
2: I went back and watched a couple. So the chef gets thrown, just like working in the kitchen. They come running through and just deck the chef.
0: It was it was sort of like a like a, watching like the
2: WWE or <laughs> Seriously. something.
0: I mean, it was just like like the guy bounces off the the counter and like flails down to the oh, ground. And, but they're also uh, going
2: into either the elevator or wherever they're going, someone else like you can't see it that well, but someone hits the deck the deck. Like you see someone falling down too. I think they got trampled or something. <laughs>
0: like, oh man. And, and and can we talk about the the crowd at the dinner at the the fundraiser? Oh they just all oh, lose their just... shit completely.
2: It is pandemonium. <laughs> it's, it's, crazy. it's a Zucker film, right? It's like <laughs> it totally is. It's a, <laughs> yeah,
1: it a, totally a, a, a Zaz film moment. Yeah. It's absolutely
2: what it is. That's it, totally what it is. That's a great call, oh, man. Oh man, that was great. So he gets taken up into the elevator. One thing that just does not fit well at all is Ren- Renee Russo turns to the LAPD. What do we do? <laughs> i know right (laughs) you're fucking the secret service getting charged
0: what what the hell (laughs) and and how how about the lapd she's like what's the plan captain and he's like yeah it's your man up there you tell me (laughs) it's like way to pass the book
2: seriously oh man that was so bad like that would never like i don't know that just was a terrible terrible writing there
0: you know they have all these like um shooters right and the elevator's going up and then you can't see anything because uh malkovich is he's he's busted out all the lights and stuff he's going after the lights and and so and so I think they're going like like oh we don't have a shot and yet there's a guy down at the bottom in the lobby who just like takes a shot at the elevator i was like what are you doing dude
2: oh Oh, I forgot uh, when he was coming in. So he, he comes up. So he's, he he figures out at this bank, he gets in a taxi and the taxi drives over. It was just a stunt guy driving too. like, you can just see like the guy driving the taxi. It was just like stunt driver screech up to the front. He goes running out. And then like one of the guys is like, what are you doing here, Frank? You're not supposed to be here. Did you get my fax? Oh, yeah, here it is. <laughs> why do you
1: think i'm here i came to pick up my fax. (laughs) you're saying why
2: are you here you're not supposed to be here and oh yeah i got a fax for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right this is terrible yeah I, i did like that malkovich smashed out the lights in the elevator i thought that was a nice little touch it ends with a showdown between the two of them and malkovich is hanging off of the edge of the elevator and Eastwood offers him his hand, similar to what Malkovich did when he was on the roof. Then Malkovich just decides to Hans Gruber it off the back of the elevator instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he falls to his death. But nobody nobody looks up and says, "I hope that's not a hostage."
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that was that was missing, unfortunately. And he did not he did not can opener or uh, cannonball.
1: No, nope, no cannonballing. I was thinking that
0: there would be like more of a splat because it was pretty far, like but six stories
2: on his back onto the thing.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a dry. I think hit. it's more than six stories. It looked like it was like ten or twelve.
1: I think he yeah. hit terminal velocity. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, at the very end, then you see Horrigan sitting with Lily, and they're looking at pigeons. And Colin, you mentioned this earlier, but you want to mention it again?
0: No. <laughs> Go
1: ahead. No, just that it, it ends with uh, him saying the line that, that he he knows things about pigeons because he's said several times over the course of the movie that he knows things about people. But do you think, let me ask you this, uh, I, my read on the end of that movie was that because they went through this almost sex kind of scene and they backed off from it, it was more going to be just a mentor-mentee relationship going forward, or do you think that they were trying to suggest that they were going to have a relationship?
2: No, I think it was going to be the mentor-mentee. Because the way she like consoled him also in the uh, in the suite before he got fired, and seemed more, less romantic at that moment, it seemed more just like as colleagues. No way, they're knocking boots. He hopes, but... He's resigning
0: from the Secret Service. He's retiring so that so that he can actually have sex with her. Probably.
1: They're gonna get it on. <laughs> no, I, I, I think he's he's fulfilled his destiny. So I think he's just gonna go walk the earth like Cain.
0: No, I think they're definitely gonna have a relationship. Yeah, uh, here's another um, thing that sticks out, like a from a '90s movie perspective. I guess they get they fly back to to DC. Yeah. You know, from L.A. All these people are there waiting, like, right when they get off the plane at the gate. There's, like, news media. There's even his boss from the Secret Service. And it's like, yeah, you don't see that anymore. Why would you go and pick him up at the airport? Like, thats it's just such a pain in the ass to pick someone up at the the airport. (laughs) No Uber. (laughs) The president sent his limo. And he says, Frank says, I love public transportation.
2: Yeah, he had a couple of things. <laughs> they talk about him getting rides. He like he doesn't have a car of his own. The, so the one instance I what... thought that worked well was after his uh, partner got shot. You saw him like riding the bus home alone. It was kind of a kind of this nice moment.
1: Oh, that's I forgot about that. Well, that's good.
2: It's
1: uh, a good good highlight. He
2: didn't
0: have he a like the fact that he's talking about how you know he said he he lived in New York for a long time and he likes public transportation and yet. He keeps hitting up everyone else for rides in their cars, yeah. so I don't really understand
2: how public transportation plays into it. Likes the idea of public transportation. So, speaking of '90s and uh, and downtown LA, did the uh, did did the downtown scenes remind you of any any movie when they're at Figueroa? Heat? Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a couple heat. like it was the exact same like hey I know exactly where this is, yeah. good spot for a shootout. Right, any
1: uh, final thoughts, or do you guys want to get to your? Yes, uh, <laughs> you just want to move us move this one along. So, <laughs> yeah, final thoughts. Uh, well, you, uh, how about anything else? Anything else specific you want to talk about the movie?
2: I did like the detail. They covered the uh, the Secret Service detail when they were doing the setup at LA. I thought it was kind of a cool. Going through like I will say the manhole covers yeah. they're like sealing them they're talking about yeah. all the things they like checking abandoned vehicles removing this so they're talking about all like
1: taking the mailboxes out yeah.
0: yeah actually that might be the the best thing from the sort of the Secret Service process yeah. was the advanced team because you really got to dive deep a little bit yeah. into what it, what all they do as far as you know providing security yeah. so that was interesting yeah
2: one of the random ones I call LAPD and make sure they have no police uniforms missing and some other things like that so
0: that was cool. Right. I feel like today their job must be just so infin- infinitely harder. Right. You don't you don't need to go check with LAPD. I mean you can just buy a LAPD police uniform like from Amazon. You know, it's just it's really hard to cover all the bases, I think, yeah. nowadays. The the gun I thought was a pretty cool idea. Of a composite. I always thought, well, is that yeah, is that a does it actually work? And apparently it must because there's a there's an actual law against um those types of weapons and so when they were done filming they actually had to destroy it
1: yeah and that's a that's a whole there's a whole lot that's going on right now with uh that stuff like print home printed guns so the the other thing that i thought was really fascinating trivia note for imdb trivia is it says that arnold schwarzenegger visited the set in 1992 (laughs) that was in there as a trivia note all right then (laughs) it's like it's like uh, and during that same week, Gary Cole took a shit in <laughs> his bathroom. I mean, what's the, there's, that's not trivia. That's an observational fact.
0: So I think the one thing that we didn't talk about at all was the fact that Frank Horgan's actually based on a, a real person, uh, Clint Hill, yeah. who was a Secret Service agent uh, who did, was there in Dallas on that fateful day. Actually broke uh, down during a, 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 huh? He did react though. That's,
1: that, yeah, that's yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But he also, um, he was on a 16 Minutes interview in 1968 and broke down and said that he felt responsible, you know, for Kennedy's death. And so it was interesting f- from that perspective because, uh, you know, he's, I mean, I'm sure there are like a lot of those agents felt like carried around a lot of guilt for a lot of years.
1: I, I like the way that that scene is lit, too. He's You know, they're standing in shadow and he's talking about the his experience on that day. and First shot.
0: Sound like a fire, I looked over and I saw him. I, I could
2: tell he was hit. Don't know why I didn't react.
1: I think that's a pretty good scene. I think that's probably one of his best scenes in the movie. Yeah. We need. I need to rewatch JFK. I've not seen it maybe
2: It's so long, though. It's not worth. It. Like, can someone like edit it down to like forty-five minutes? <laughs>
0: I think if you watched it today and you see the the courtroom scenes where he's putting together the whole theory, right? Uh, I think you might think it's
2: pretty ludicrous now. Possible. Back into Mm -hmm. the left. It's a Seinfeld episode, right? (laughs) That's the best part of the JFK movie. The 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 magic (laughs) loogie. Well, maybe
1: we should do a final wrap on this movie. (laughs) Let's let's do that. Let's
0: mercifully do that.
1: Okay. Colin, your final thoughts. Dated.
0: Still, you know it's a solid film but it's not as as good as it used to be
2: yeah i'd say the same right. thing it's not it didn't hold up to what i hoped it would be it wasn't as great as i i was i was thinking it was it's fine it's a good watch but it's not like something that you're missing if you don't ever see it
1: yeah i mean i have very similar take and uh, i will say that jasmine was watching it with me and she fell asleep as, as we were watching it so so not it was not a edge of <laughs> edge of your seat thrills for her for sure i think this is this is, it's, this is, there's, there's a lot about this movie that I think is kind of interesting because I think this is the moment where it's like, okay, well, do we really want Clint Eastwood to be an action star or not? It's trying to a- ask and answer that question. Um, I do think that the relationship between the two of them doesn't work at all. Um, and I think this is there was a lot of this that happened in the 90s, which um, I guess what was the ultimate example was Sean Connery and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Entrapment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they were like 30, was it? Uh, I think they were 34 years apart or something like that. I forget. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, so yeah the the relationship angle is totally forced the rest of it is um is good and malkovich is really good yeah. and overall it's a fun movie but it's just kind of a, a how about let's do letter grades i'll give it i'll give this a b that's what this movie is it's a b how about you guys
2: probably say malkovich gets an a the rest of the movie gets like a c plus he's great he makes yep. a movie and the, the rest yep. is just kind of like even clean these Eastwood. clean this woods fine. Like I don't think he's bad at it, but it's just not just not tightly written. It's not tightly directed. It just needs like a lot more kind of buttoning up to make it really solid. <laughs> just like this podcast, exactly. <laughs> um, listeners, you may be surprised, but this is not scripted. We just kind of ad hoc it, and sometimes <laughs> we should have scripted something.
0: <laughs> I think the our general level of enthusiasm is indicative of the movie yeah, yeah. unfortunately i because yeah i like i said i loved this movie um back in the 90s but it just it just didn't hold up so i'd have to give it i used to probably would have given it like an a minus and i think it's probably more like a b minus
1: now b minus we'll go for b minus as our uh that's our our rolled up score sounds about right that means i think we are at the point where i get to choose my movie for 1993 so we're we just skipping true romance altogether when I do it some other no, time. No, no, we're still we're still gonna do okay. true romance next. It's just that
2: well, uh,
0: n- maybe, maybe, or maybe not. I, let's see how Colin feels. I, <laughs> the mood. We'll see. You want let's to just see how
2: I feel. <laughs> just, no, no, I,
0: I don't know that I want to re-pick. It'll Just
2: be a by the mood.
0: Honestly, to be honest with you, I I think I'm more interested in watching. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Some of those horror films, and especially ones I haven't seen before, because it just seems like a lot more interesting. I think we're we're heading into like territory of movies that I've seen many many times, and it's just you know even though I I, I love them, sort of feeling like well I, I've just watched them too recently.
1: Are you retiring from the Real DMC podcast?
0: No, no, but I, I, maybe I'm making a, a push for maybe a slightly different focus. I don't know. Yeah. We we do have some we have some other ideas around doing horror films and westerns, and and I think that might be. I may be more inspired, you, at least for a little while. You week. want
2: to do more movies you haven't seen versus... Or, or movies
0: that I haven't haven't seen in like a million years. Yeah. Like the good, the bad and the ugly, I really have not seen in a long, long, long time. And there are other Westerns as well. Like the the Quick and the Dead, I haven't seen that in a long time.
1: Well, the Quick and the, the Dead was probably going to be my 95 pick anyway. It's a good one. Maybe Dave should go next. Okay. So well, I'd well, love to talk about Drexel at some point. <laughs> Gary Oldman.
2: Wow, he's so fantastic.
1: So after Colin grabbed True Romance, because that would have been a consideration, uh, there were a couple movies that I was looking at. So you guys can, I haven't made a final decision. You, you can lobby me here. Uh, I was actually thinking about A Perfect World, because I would like to rewatch that movie. But we're trapped in a Clint Eastwood vortex at the moment, so I think we need to get out. I don't think I've seen Absolute Power. I know I'm in the wrong gear. That's 97, I think. Something maybe. like that. But
2: it's also with uh, that G-95. So, and directed by Clint Eastwood. I want to see it, it was. It was. It was
0: good. It was, not it's great. pretty good. You could, I suppose, you could do True Romance, and then I could choose Hot Shots Part Deux because we were talking about doing it, and I haven't seen it in a long time. But um, I, I would like to hear what else you have that you're considering.
1: So the two that I came down with was, you know, just I, Unforgiven was my last pick. Obviously that was a bit of a heavy one, so I was thinking it's like, should I just do like Cliffhanger, right? So we can watch like oh a God. fun action movie. <laughs> haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, or Falling Down was the other one that came to mind. Falling Down. Cause be, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to watch Falling Down as a rewatch because I'm imagining that the how you interpret that movie today is probably going to be a little bit different than how we interpret it when we saw it back then. I like
2: falling down as one because it also is in a similar vein as in the line of fire that I think it's good. I remember it being kind of good, but I might watch and be like, God, oh, this is a piece of crap. <laughs> like, I, yeah. So
0: I like it from the perspective that it's Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's and, a Schumacher and, and I like to shit all over Joel Schumacher. So All right. Okay. Um, let's do,
1: what are you going to do falling down then? I,
0: and I have the opposite. Um, you don't think it's good? Recollection I I, I did I recall not liking uh, that movie and really being just totally annoyed by everything that happens to Michael Douglas in that. Oh, so uh, you didn't like the that, So it could be it could be interesting. All right, let's I'll try I certainly out. have a lot more to say about it than this movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean the other one I was thinking about was Hot Shots Part 2, right? Because that was just I mean, just to follow up on Yeah, Hot Shots.
0: Well, I, I would say either Hot Shots Part 2 or, or Falling Down would be
1: I think good choices. Yeah, let's, let's do falling down because I think it'll be, I think it can be an interesting conversation. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe we take true romance, put it in the parking lot for now and then we come back to it when we really, really want to give it some good attention.
1: Why the fuck did you <laughs> pick a movie that you actually don't want
0: to watch? Because I think I watched it too uh, so too recently.
1: Come on.
2: Uh, I, I was kind of uh, looking I've, forward to rewatching have <laughs> I've listened to the rewatchables and it's really good. I just want to talk about Floyd and, uh, and Drexel.
0: Maybe in the next week or so I'll,
2: don't condescend don't me, don't be man. inspired.
0: I'll fucking <laughs> kill fucking you. Don't condescend <laughs> me. <laughs> man. kill you, man. All it. right, well, I, I got to go, you know, buy some beer and some cleaning products.
1: <laughs> some cleaning so maybe we should products. wrap this up. All, All right. right. Okay, well, uh, and with that, that puts the in the line <laughs> of fire <laughs> back into the cabinet. <laughs> and we will probably not be taking it out again anytime soon. Now, we hope you enjoyed our largely lethargic conversation about <laughs> in, in the line of fire. Oh, um, Sorry. And I'll just say, this is the Real DMC Podcast. Signing off.
2: Bye, everybody. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Sorry about that one. Expected to be better. It's because he's a paid mafia spy. He said plant. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I'm saying he's like a paid mafia spy. Okay. He's
1: planted. So wanna make sure just wanna make sure you're okay. <laughs> Joking. Your your health becomes it's more important than the podcast.